Holy Gospel according to John. Glory, Glory to you. To you. With our longer gospel today, you may be seated. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that the works, God's works, might be revealed in him. We must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. The man born blind kept saying, I am the man. Then how were your eyes opened? The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. Where is he? I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He is a prophet. The Judeans did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Judeans, for the Judeans had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. And the Judeans said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. What will he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, 
but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but does listen to anyone who is devout and obeys God's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You were born entirely in sins, and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found the man born blind, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe. You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? If you were blind, you would not, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You can't depend on your eyes if your imagination is out of focus. An enigmatic phrase by Mark Twain. Our eyes can deceive us. We often see what we already believe to be true. So close your eyes for five seconds. And then open them again. You can't depend on your eyes. A very strange thing to say. As strange as the climactic ending of today's gospel with Jesus' enigmatic words, I have come that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. All through this amazing gospel, the sighted people do not see the truth. The truth that the blind man really was healed. The truth that Jesus is indeed God's anointed one, the Christ. The neighbors, they're hesitant and fearful. The religious authorities, downright judgmental. How could a healing take place on the Sabbath? This gospel is a drama in miniature. It's kind of like a Shakespeare play updated to the present with characters and context from today. Because this story is from Jesus' day. But the gospel writer John uses a cast and uses conflicts in the community from the late first century when believers in Jesus were being expelled from the synagogue. There's a healing. Jesus makes mud, anoints 
the blind beggar's eyes and tells him to wash in a pool, and he receives his sight. Yet like we heard last week with the Samaritan woman, in John, there's always more to the story than the story. You can't just depend on your eyes. The blind man sees something much more profound. He sees with the eyes of faith and comes to believe in Jesus. And then there's our first reading from Samuel. Samuel is ready, first reading, about Samuel ready to anoint a successor to Saul. And the Lord tells Samuel that God does not look as mortals see, for they look on appearances. You can't depend on your eyes alone. The Lord looks on the heart. After all of Jesse's brothers pass by Samuel one by one, he chooses David and anoints David with oil. David then receives a spirit that will give him his identity and his calling. How often do we not even see what is right before our eyes? As I heard on the NPR show I love, The Hidden Brain, our brains, after time, begin to normalize our experience. And we begin to take for granted the gifts of everyday life, the people, the persons, the sights that we see every day. So, I live on the 11th floor of a high-rise building. I look out on Lake Michigan. But when I'm on higher floors, like the 24th, I go, whoa, that is such an awesome view. Yet when people visit me in my home and they see the same lake view that I see, they are odd. And then I begin to look with new eyes at what I see every day. Jacques Lucerat became blind at age seven from an accident at school. Though nearly everyone saw this accident as a disaster, with the help of Jacques' parents, he began to view it as an opportunity for discovery. In his memoir, And There Was Light, he tells of his ability to still see the world. He writes, the problem with seeing the regular way is that sight naturally prefers outer appearances. It attends to the surface of things, which makes it an essentially superficial sense. We let our eyes skid over trees, skid over furniture, skid over traffic, skid over faces, too often mistaking sight for perception which is easy to do when our eyes work so well to help us orient ourselves in space. But then he adds, since becoming blind, I have paid more attention 
to a thousand things. So close your eyes again for five seconds. And then open them. How often, I wonder, do we not see people as they truly are? For example, it's well known that many people talk down to those with disabilities, such as people in a wheelchair. A blind Lutheran pastor remembers going to church as a child and hearing the awkward whispers of neighbors who asked his parents and grandparents if there was any hope that he would someday see. He wasn't ashamed of being blind, but he did feel the humiliation of others whispering about him as if he wasn't there. Ralph Ellison describes something similar in his 1952 novel, Invisible Man. It reflects the experience of many African Americans in the early 20th century. Listen to this quote. I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. Our community's racial justice work begins with the call to see. Here's a quote from a provocative book on reparations I'm currently reading. For many white Americans, the issue is not simply that they cannot see across the color line. The issue is that they do not even see that it is there. The segregated structures of American life function as a sort of cataract to true sight. And though we may not see, because of that, we may come across as judgmental and smug. Let us then see our blindness as an opportunity for healing. In the early church, baptism was called enlightenment. Baptism isn't a once and for all done sacrament. It's a lifetime experience, daily receiving forgiveness and healing, learning how to see with new eyes and expanding our imagination. As we embark on this work of holy repair, consider this. It is not just people of color who experience racialized trauma in their bodies, passed on from generation to generation. Resma Menachem writes about this in a book called My Grandmother's Hands. White bodies traumatized each other in Europe for centuries before they encountered black and red bodies. And this also lives on in us. The same is true of the trauma that police officers carry in their bodies. The point is, we are all in need of healing. And the healing takes place not in our heads, but in our bodies. Because our bodies carry the memories 
as individuals and peoples. So this morning, as a community, as we receive communion, we have an opportunity to be anointed with oil. We know that phrase from Psalm 23, you have anointed my head with oil. Now, some of us may think this anointing is just for people with physical or mental illness or challenges, but I invite you today to expand your imagination because all of us are ill and all of us are blind and all of us carry wounds, grief and fear and hurt. And yes, the effects of racial trauma in our bodies. Christ the healer comes among us this day to open your eyes, to anoint you with grace, to bring you new life, to heal your ills, to set you free from all that holds you back from seeing, from imagining a new future before your eyes. And then to bring you to Easter when we can sing together, I was blind, but now I see. Close your eyes one last time. And carry that with you through the day today and then open them. You can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. As we will sing in a few moments, let the inner eye discern how much more there is to learn. Let me say it again. Let the inner eye discern how much more there is to learn. Amen.